This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. अंग्रेज अपना लगान और न्यूज लॉन्ड्री अपना हफ्ता कभी नहीं छोड़ते वेलकम टू हफ्ता आई एम अभिनंदन सेखरी एंड विथ मी ऑन द पैनल टुडे इज मनीषा पांडे हेलो मधु त्रेहन मधु आफ्टर लॉन्ग टाइम ओ नो मधु वॉज एंड लास्ट वीक वॉज नो शी वॉज एंडर थ्री वीक्स उटलुकिन So before I get into the headlines I just have one quick appeal to you as you know elections are coming up we would like to cover the elections from at least 15 states I mean we'd like to send our in-house reporters and commission pieces including pieces from TR Vivek Kaveri Chronicles 2 is out for those of you who've seen and thank you all NLCN members who supported Kaveri Chronicles 2 it's a tw- it's a 10000 word piece a little bit of a book and it's I think very comprehensive it has got great kudos and appreciation from many journalists and news professionals we have another nlsna project for you to please top up this time it's not 2 or 3 lakhs it is 16 lakhs that is the budget to send correspondents our own in-house correspondent manisha uh, prateek mm. gorav anumeya yadav and anumeya yadav we are going to be uh, some, lots of freelancers also samrat those of you who've been reading samrat's piece he does excellent pieces from bengal and the northeast tr vivek So you want to commission these people to do some great on-ground reporting. The travel costs money, the hotel costs money, uh, you know, local transport costs money, khana pina, and of course you have to pay these people because they are, after all, journalists with ten, twenty, thirty years of experience. And if you think about lawyers or any other professional who you pay by the hour, journalists are the most inexpensive of the lot. But unless you pay, it will not serve you because when the advertiser pays, the advertiser served. When the public pays, the public is served. So do go on to newslaundry.com/sena. I repeat, newslaundry.com/sena and contribute so that we can cover the election in a comprehensive and robust way that does some good for us as news professionals and as public who want to consume some sensible, relevant stuff. With that long appeal, what's in the headlines? Uh, we know, of course, the Pakistan-India conflict has been in the headlines, but there are many angles to that. So Manisha, give us some of the headlines that that you know we'll be discussing. So the opposition came down hard on the prime minister yesterday, blamed him for politicisation of the sacrifices made by our armed forces. Uh, Pakistan was, of course, very happy with this uh, criticism of the opposition, and they spoke about it. And then there was a press meeting by Prakash Javedkar, who said that Congress and Pakistan are one. Uh, basically, Pakistan like has that. joined the Mahagathbandhan <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Uh, Modi gave his first speech uh, after the Indian Air Force's strike, where he uh, he. opened up with prasoon joshi's uh, election campaign that uh, in 2014 prasoon joshi had basically penned a poem for him hmm. so modi opened up with those lines main desh nahi jhukne dunga main desh nahi jhukne yeah. dunga but he didn't really specifically address uh, the strikes and today he launched uh, he spoke to the bjp booth workers mera booth sabse mazboot yeah Hmm. Uh there are reports of the fact that uh Modi was unaware of the Pulwama attack for over 2 hours hmm. that was really in the news uh, BCCI has called on ICCI to act following Pulwama attack that they want to 
yeah kick pakistan out of the world cup that that's going to be big other than that there was gadkari's water threat to pakistan i would just like to touch upon it in the same you know bucket as stopping sport and actors and gazal singers and stuff there's a good piece in news laundry on that ah. hmm brinda then trump is a racist con man and a cheat i don't know if any of you were watching television last night but i just was surfing channels and i stopped on cnn just as michael cohen's congressional hearing or testimony had started and i turned it off when at 12 when i said i should go to sleep because it was way past my bedtime but it was riveting and i think that it was phenomenal then the center seeks a temporary stay on eviction of 1.89 million forest dwelling families this is basically this was it didn't get that much attention but because of the inevitable development uh, there has been the, the the livelihoods of many tribals have been impacted and this is a case that went up to the supreme court so where was medha patkar and why wasn't she there fighting for them i don't know actually but this is basically i'll just read out this report from the business standard it is the union government wednesday filed a plea before the supreme court to modify its february 13 order and permit states to temporarily withhold forcible eviction of 1.89 million tribals and other forest dwelling families the case will be heard on thursday uh the forest rights act is something that has been held up as far as meeda parker is concerned i think she was so focused on that sardar sarovar dam and and narmada narmada bachao andolan that after they lost i mean i guess it must be very difficult to motivate the entire movement to come up again i mean activism is hard business then there was a show cause notice to 13 intelligent news channels for broadcasting the media briefing of pakistan army spokesperson without intervention i think we should discuss that briefly as well and it's the supreme court to hear the petition on article 35a and i'd like to discuss this in the context of what is happening in arunachal pradesh where there has been such violence in fact the deputy chief minister's house was burned down and two people died we'll tell you a bit of what's happening there that hasn't got any news because it's been you know everything has been about uh, pakistan and india conflict and finally the caravan article that came out last week on thursday when we were recording so we couldn't discuss it but until the pakistani strikes that article caused major uh, prime time debates in fact republic took that up as a prime time debate chalo yeah, caravan yeah. ko yeah. they did what news laundry really does to republic people <laughs> and uh, the the so the article madhu was about um, caravan did a piece after the 44 crpf men were killed and this was the week when we were actually uh, in boston if you remember which is the caste breakup that ah, yes, the yes. thesis was that the upper castes are most vocal about war because they have the least to lose because the overwhelming majority of people who die but that they came to the conclusion by just these 40 people which i don't think is representative of all the people who lose their lives in war but we'll discuss that a little later because many of our subscribers did ask us to discuss it but we had already recorded hafta that morning but first let's speak with nitin about the indo pak conflict so nitin uh, just what do you make of the response actually so many things have happened let me break down the questions to you one yes. first and most important question is this whole tomcat versus a mig uh f16 tomcat ek hai na isko what do you call an f16 yeah no there are yeah there are various versions of it but still yeah so is that an equal battle i mean can a mig take on an f16 it is not not at all so i am uh, quite surprised that uh, the pilot uh, took the risk of uh, chasing an f16 but perhaps uh, he was emboldened by the fact that the sukhoi's were also there in the uh, in the package the combat air patrol uh and therefore um, and it's very difficult to uh, now uh, sort of sit on judgment 
later because at that point in time uh, they are flying at about 750-800 kilometers an hour, uh, and therefore uh, he would have just uh, in Josh uh, gone and uh, taken over uh, the uh, role of uh, trying to uh, chase this fellow or trying to get him uh, as he was uh, trying to intrude into India. So I, it's not an equal battle, man. That's for sure. So now the optics of this, you know, I mean, from what I am seeing of the international media, because. Also, weigh on this. I mean, right now, I consider both the Indian media and the Pakistani media completely incredible. Is not the correct word, non-credible, because everybody is paloing <laughs> anything. Also. They're incredible. <laughs> the optics. So you know, you see the Guardian, or you see Al Jazeera, you see CNN, you see BBC. Where is the evidence? Like Ram Madhav tweeted, 400 dead." You know, the, some sources payload. Officially, the government said we don't have no details, but unofficially, all the very willing media carried numbers like 300. I mean, seriously, you. I mean. I myself want to know, we should see one body at least. So, I mean, do you believe this number? Because all the video no, that has come out I, of that. I, I can't really, uh, you know, put a finger to what happened there. I, uh, in fact, uh, as far as I know from uh, Air Force uh, sources who uh, may not have taken part there, but who know what happened, uh, the clouds were very low in any case and it was dark. So, it would be difficult to have uh, any uh, real pictures uh, right. in terms of uh, what normally they do when they had done something similar in, uh, say, Kargil. Hmm. They would have had some infrared... Uh, in, in Kargil, in front, on Tiger Hill, they had killed some 200-odd chaps uh, with the Mirage. Hmm. So, that video I have seen. But here, I, I mean, they have, at least have not revealed anything. Pictures are difficult to obtain. So, I won't put a number to it. But to me, uh, the significance of the strike was not uh, in the numbers. It was about crossing the red line in the mines in the uh, strategic calculus, where uh, it was told to the Indian strategic thinkers and military leaders that you cannot cross the LOC, you cannot get into Pakistan, that's escalatory for uh, two nuclear-armed nations. And uh, therefore, uh, the significance of this is the redrawing of the red lines, both in, in the mines and in the, um, the planning Exactly. Of, um, planning of any military Yeah, I, th- I think that's so true because, you know, th- I mean, the message it would go out is that you do this, we have no hesitation flying across and dropping bombs. But I think that got completely lost in this habitual lying that, you know, has become such a subcontinental thing. Sorry, anyone else wants to come in? We have three, four other things to, um, you know, talk about yeah. as far as the... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I was saying that uh, to me, that is the significant part of this decision uh, to uh, go across. Uh, rest of it, uh, is a matter of detail which the government uh, must uh, uh, see to it that, you know, some credible evidence is presented if uh, these numbers are being pumped uh, up uh, by many channels. I have refrained from uh, talking about any numbers because I don't have any proof or uh, any evidence really on this. Right. And, and as far as the coverage is concerned, now you've been a journalist for almost three decades now, right? Maybe more, more than three yeah, decades. Plus, yeah, 36, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so... so- you know, this is something one is, it's always a tough call, you know, because we on this very show have uh, criticized, what was her name, New York Times, that lady who went to prison also, who had talked, spoken about weapons of mass destruction. Uh, her name will just come to me. And she was an embedded journalist. She hmm. towed the Bush line and later, of course, it turned out to be false. At that time, she was, later she was criticized, but at that time, because there was nationalism air, whether she was, you know, a journalist or... Uh, or whether she was to toe the Bush's line was... And we criticised her. Now, when our own journalists do that, where, how does one take this... Judith Miller. Judith Miller, correct. Judith Miller, she, she made a... Miller, yeah. 
yeah. I mean, she was a, a, a laughing stock the world over within America, but at that time, no one contradicted her because it was shortly after 9/11, and everyone had to do the right thing. But now she's a discredited and disgraced journalist. How does it work? I think yeah. yeah it, no, no. What uh, my line on this, or my sense in this is that uh, we are ourselves as uh, as an industry and as a profession to be blamed uh, for uh, the state of affairs that we are in because we don't. Uh, insist on uh, due diligence checking cross checking double checking our editors uh, just go with the flow in fact uh, that was one of my challenges when i was with uh, me that uh, you know i should be told oh but that channel is carrying this why are you not uh, mm. okay competitive so, uh, yeah yeah competitive uh, uh, me first breaking news and more than that i think editors not willing to groom uh, people reporters Mm. Uh, or not willing to uh, take a contrarian stand in uh, doing what they think is right or should be right, but uh, going with the flow. I think that is the a bigger issue, and uh, we should uh, look at it more seriously rather than, of course, I mean, this is worrying uh, what you are seeing as far as uh, uh, these highly inflated figures being given. Now, staying with the Pakistan thing, you know, this is one a uh, big problem that I have with. Um, just how this is being handled by the government and i think it's become like second nature now i don't know whether it's this government or it's the age we live in uh, that say anything it doesesn't matter whether it's true or not matlab kuch bhi pel do and that has become a hallmark of this government when it comes to gdp data when it comes to any economic indicators uh, ruchir sharma has said that people have stopped taking indian data seriously internationally in that um, no sorry in business standard there was a piece i think but i have said that on hafta when i had come back from an overseas trip and i was talking to one of the directors of a really large international financial organization they said the same thing and i'm talking about one year ago that we don't take indian data seriously anymore it was like that with china we would just take the general data of that southeast asia kalilia project kar do but their data is not credible and i think the government has got so used to the media not questioning them that they thought that would work here also mm. like when one of your planes has been shot down and you go out and say that all our planes are accounted for how could you and then ndtv lapped it up and said every that, television channel lapped it up how can you be so up? quick firstly you how can't can you be so what, you think it will not come out that one of your planes has been shot down or you say 300 dead and you cannot even show one dead body and you it's know, your the, men, it's your person yeah who's you know in enemy territory how it's can you basic i mean and the thing is any critical media would have roasted this government yeah, yeah. for saying how the hell did you say none of our men has gone missing when one of your men is Why there did you put it up? so had yeah. the video not come out they would have maintained ki hamare to sab theek hai matlab aur aap dekh lo bhaktton ko del se nahi nahi ye sarkar to bahut acche matlab is had tak wo gir jate hain ki kuch bhi pel do and because of channels like z republic times now they feel that they don't know any any explanation say anything yeah and we'll lap it up so this government this is... has been largely unaccountable on every issue and you know whether it comes to the farmers or whether it's giving the handouts or whatever it's really been unaccountable even in, in something like demonetization there was no accountability it was just done arbitrarily without explanation he didn't speak to the nation he didn't explain why he just gave ameeron ko dikhate hain kya hota hai and it was remarkable that when he was in japan he was in japan when demonetization took place and he was clapping and laughing and saying ab ameeron ko sikhate hain and then when he came back and then all the lines and all the pain and torture that the ordinary man went through sunk home then he sobered up a bit so i think this government has one gotten used to uh, unaccountability and two lying 
and and because of that they lie Lights lie because of the, the two are intertwined exactly because no one questions yeah. them. no one's questioning them on it and in fact this has to be so many questions after pulwama we've lost close to more than 50 uh, people from crpf army air force also hmm. basic questions on intelligence failure basic questions on if the strike has happened what was your target what have you really hit I'm, and most uh, army people have said that there was an internal intelligence failure yeah. which means that somebody from inside was giving the intelligence on pro- troop movements yeah. and if the jnk police has given you uh, you know a security warning saying there may be an attack please sanitize your path correctly and still there's an attack and you lose 44 men some like very basic questions should be asked and on the strike i mean i agree with nitin when he says that the agenda was to redraw the lines mm-hmm. or to to send out a message that we will give it back to you don't think we'll sit and but then keep the narrative as that tell your lucky channels to not then go around saying ki humne dikha diya pakistan ko jawab de diya masood azhar ko maar diya yusuf azhar ko maar diya jam dher ho gaya then stick with the narrative you know don't then start peddling something which is just because now we're a joke so there are what's true now becomes it's a lie coming out mm. as propaganda yeah, it, it is it, coming and it's a highly watched area pakistan and terrorism there is really studied watched closely internationally and if an international publication says that there's nothing that's happened it doesn't seem like they've affected the leadership then you come out looking like you a know, big fool and there were international reporters who arrived on the scene over there and reported from there checking if there's any dead and there's i would imagine imagine the situation kind of neutral so right. if there were deaths if there was damage they would have no. reported it yeah i i don't honestly as of as of now i don't see any evidence to suggest that any 2 300 any 100 yeah. people died 300 so, is just an insane Paki, number pakistan to has been uh, you know on uh, box they started boxy war against india for quite a long time we had this 911 and uh, 2611 and uh, nah, 9611 so so pakistan has been doing it uh, you know for uh, many many years mistake was then because in 2611 we had one of their guys in custody and if you have somebody in custody it gives you complete justification to go against against them full with full force yeah. uh, at that time that should have been done what was done today it should have been done then i don't understand that government the congress party's logic of sitting tight i think they they masters at just precedence ki jaise pehle hua waise karte jao diplomacy 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 and the biggest issue is a question that i asked shiv shankar menon in my interview with him on his book i said you have been involved in uh, diplomacy on the side on second track dip- diplomacy track 2 this that and everything but you're always talking to the bureaucrats and the government in power in pakistan whereas you're not talking to the person who actually controls them controls the situation which is the army so basically if you're looking for a solution the person the the organization you should be speaking to is the army why don't you and he smiled at that but obviously this discussing diplomacy diplomacy which has gotten us nowhere the real point is that if you're not talking to the people who are actually doing it no matter who's in power whether it's musharraf or nawaz sharif or benazir bhutto or but you can't right it's not practical but i just want to come to the whole diplomacy angle that's where thinking out of the box is essential when you have a situation where another country is the organization that's responsible for all the terrors is not on the table there's no point in discussing it so when a subscriber has a request we make sure 
we make good on that request. So on the phone joining us is Samrat, uh, who actually writes extensively on the Northeast. He, where are you from, Samrat? From Shillong or, or Assam? But you've lived in Shillong yeah. for a while, right? I'm uh, from Shillong. I was born there and grew up there, although I've worked uh, all over India. Right. For the last several years. So Samrat has been in the Asian Age, he's been with the Express, he's been with um, your last job Hindustan was with Times Hindustan also. Times. And now he's actually also writing for News Laundry. And for those of our subscribers who we just did an appeal for, Samrat is going to be one of those senior journalists who will be traveling uh, to various parts of the country doing some election coverage for us. So Samrat, you also do an appeal for NL Sena, support NL Sena, because when the public pays, the public is served. Yeah, of course. I hope the public will will uh, you know pitch in and and uh, help good journalism. Yes, thank you. Now, Samrat, I'll just quickly give our audience a context, and then you can tell us a little bit, you know, on that the nuances. I'll just give the mota moti. Uh, there are uh, for those of you who have not been following this, which is very possible because news has been dominated by Pulwama and Indo Pak ever since it happened. Arunachal, the deputy chief minister's house was burned down and this entire jhagda is over the permanent resident certificate, which is a legal document that is issued to Indian citizens and it serves as evidence of residence that you are a permanent resident of Arunachal and now the BJP-led government is considering to expand this to uh, communities living in Namsai, Changlang, uh, Gorkhas, living in Vijayanagar and others that, you know, Samrat can tell you. And this has not gone down, gone down well with the local tribes who say it, uh, you know, will create problems and outsiders will come in, which also on a related note is the same week when uh, Section 35A that prohibits others, outsiders from buying property in Kashmir also has is coming up in conversations. So as far as Arunachal is concerned, I know Arunachal because I shot one of the most beautiful episodes of my television series there in the ministry of in the monastery of Tawang and I remember we went to sleep at night and it had there was no snow and I woke up in the morning at four o'clock for the morning shot and it had snowed so in the central courtyard of the monastery it was this white sheet and we rolled the camera and this one monk just walked and there were these footsteps in it was it's the most beautiful monastery you've seen but coming to the non-beauty of it what's happening there and why is it significant Samrat? Well, uh, it's basically, you know, uh, from my perspective, it's just yet another manifestation of the insider-outsider divide in Northeast India, which I've been talking about for a little while now. Uh, and it's just come back in a very big way of late all over the Northeast with the NRC and citizenship issues. The, this particular instance, the PRC instance, is not directly related to uh, NRC and citizenship, but the politics is... Uh, along the same lines. So, in this instance, as you mentioned in your introduction, it's a permanent residence certificate for six communities which are considered not indigenous tribes of Arunachal Pradesh. So, they are mostly tribal communities, which out of the six, except the Gorkhas, the others are the Mishing, the Moran, the Deori. Uh, uh, so, these are tribal communities. And, uh, you know, they, so they would have, uh, and they're from the neighborhood. They're from Assam, but the parts of Assam which are close to Arunachal Pradesh or bordering Arunachal Pradesh, essentially, they're from the north bank of the Brahmaputra, from areas very close to these, these same places uh, that uh, are 
But this is but this is such a I mean it's such a volatile issue that I mean I mean I I don't want to sound like this Raj Kapoor ki city boy goes or gaon ke log itne bhole hote hain none of those but Arunachal didn't really I mean when I go to Kanpur I'm ready to be shot if I if I go to Gurgaon I'm ready to be beaten up. I don't get that feeling when I went to Arunachal and I shot there extensively. Because you went to a monastery, Tawang no, Mitan. No, I, ju- I didn't like. <laughs> I didn't para drop into the monastery. No, I I spent some time in the. We drove there from bloody Bengal for heaven's sake. So I, it doesn't seem like a kind of place which I would imagine would burn the chief minister's house down, the deputy chief minister. Why did it reach such a level? See, this sort of politics is actually you may not feel it when you go there to visit, but it's actually there. the politics of indigeneity is very much there uh, tribal rivalries intertribal rivalries tribal non tribal divide these are actually big things tourists don't you know they are not their their game is the people who are there who want to live there how civilized they don't beat up tourists just each other <laughs> because tourists are going to come and you know say good things and then then pay them money you know so why would anybody go after tourists so that's uh, you know that doesn't happen but uh, it's there it's there in the politics it's there to different extents and you know occurs with different frequency in different parts of the northeast but it's always there in the in the politics so if you as a in tourist in this particular instance however let me let me also add that in this particular instance there were allegations from the government that uh, you know from, from the state government that the congress was supporting this and they were supporting uh, these protests basically an attempt to to sort of uh, पुलवामा Among general category, Muslims, other backward caste, scheduled caste, and scheduled tribe. One, two, three, four, five, and said the overwhelming majority of those who died are from OBC, scheduled caste, and scheduled tribe. And by overwhelming, it's like just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten are general category. One is Muslim, and all the others are actually from other backward caste. And based on this, they said that the upper castes have the least amount to lose in a war because they don't sacrifice their own sons and brothers and children. that's why they're the most vocal and they just use this sample size this set of the 40 who had died so that's the story so raman sir let me start with I, you what is your view on this i know ajaz ashraf personally i okay. worked with him he's a senior uh, journalist a writer uh, we worked together in uh, this thing pioneer and then he joined outlook see uh, i i think that we the sample that they have taken is very very small Mm. so if they are talking of uh, you know this uh, the backward caste in paramilitary forces i have also seen the police forces say for example pac in up uttar pradesh where when the you know there was a massacre hashimpura uh, had mm. happened and uh, and at that time we came to know that it was dominated by upper caste the entire pac was dominated by upper caste people and their attitude towards people was uh, that's what at that time you know the newspapers had written and reported that their attitude towards uh, you know the janta was very bad so so at that after that they were the psc they i mean they were transferred to you know the normal police and the entire structure was 
broken hmm. so i mean and that was high caste uh, so what you're saying is that the caste representation does make a difference but the sample size is this the is no way to do it sample size is very low very very small so you can't make a general uh, i think more general. relevant would be the the income level of the soldiers in which families they come from because basically it's it's very low income groups the who, poor who die in battle yeah, it's mm. the poor who die no i think i think the caste is still uh, it dominates class i mean in our society no, but, it, but it but you see the two are tied together mm. low income groups with with low caste, uh, low yeah. caste. Mm-hmm. so this is their ah, opportunity to get out true. of it yes so that's why joining so i think that it's very simplistic to just narrow it down only to caste there's so many other factors involved manisha your view i think uh, the article borrows its narrative from what we've seen in the american media after the iraq war i think in fahrenheit 911 also he makes a mention of how it's black soldiers uh, or uh, brown uh, people who fought america's neo imperialist whatever was so that's that context but when you place it in india i have a central problem with one saying that the war in india is being driven by hindu nationalism or upper caste hindu nationalism because kashmir and chatisgarh where most of the crpf is deployed has existed before hindu nationalism rose so it's not a war that's being driven by hindu nationalists even though today they're probably the most loudest and they clamor for it hmm. so i don't think first we have enough data to say that this the conflict in india is being driven by upper caste hindu nationalists and we don't know whether i mean there could be lots of dalits who also support uh, nationalism or who support india's forces fighting uh, in kashmir and chatisgarh so i don't think it's being driven there's no empirical data to sort of say that but and I, sorry i don't think this article says that it is driven by that the headline says urban apocas driving hindutva nationalism i don't think hindutva nationalism no, no, is says, driving their presence okay i mean the they're there in the conflict preceding hindu the rise of hindutva For nationalism other reasons not because no, of no, hindutva what they, it says abur urban upper class driving hindutva nationalism have little representation among pulwama slain journalists see that's Javans, the point sorry. that that people so it says see, those guys have little it's not saying they are driving the pulwama it's saying but the ones who are driving that have little representation in the slain jawans all of you listening in uh, the chota hafta do subscribe so you can listen to the entire hafta we will see you again next week thank you goodbye all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hold up. 